This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means you are listening to another episode of the Crowncast. And the Crowncast has put together something very special today. What Charlotte FC has done is they have gone out into the transfer window, they've taken a whole week, and they've basically done nothing. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about nothing, and we hope you enjoy it. That's not true. We have a little bit of cool news. We've got some some information on players Charlotte's definitely interested in. And so we have the opportunity to do a deep dive. So we're going to do a deep dive. This is what Charlotte gives us to work with. This is what we work with. And here to work alongside me is Josh. Hello, Josh. Hey, guys. And Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Hello. Gentlemen, are you used to my my not hyping you up yet? Has it started to set in? Yeah, it's been nice. Feel very comfortable right now. Feel very, uh, <laughs> very ready to, uh, yeah, very, very ready to be uh, slightly underwhelming. So uh, very ready yeah. to meet expectations and not exceed them. <laughs> How does it feel to just be super regular, average guys? It's where you want to be at this time of year. <laughs> at this time of year, wait. Don't you want to be like hyping up your your transfer profile so that maybe some other podcast will come in and buy you for? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, 250 million British pounds. How does FFP work for that? You know, I don't don't think we have a financial fair play rule. So really, let's bring in the big numbers, gentlemen, shall we? Sure, let's do it. Yeah, I've been been amortized on an eight-year contract to another podcast. So if I'm bad, you're stuck with me. This is what we get so let's kind of uh jump into it Uh, really the big news that the big news for those of you who can't see me in my video screen i am doing air quotes to insinuate that it wasn't really that big of news we got some talk that a young man named albert grombeck is once again in the plans for charlotte fc i think if we're going to talk about it as big news we have to talk about the fact that this would be a really big money move. Charlotte FC has proposed a 9.5 million British pound bid for Albert Grombeck from Bodo Glimpt. That's huge money. That's really, really, really big money. It blows Charlotte FC's transfer out of the water up to this point. And there's probably a lot that that says, not just about the player, but about Charlotte FC's mentality going forward. The first thing I want to talk about, I'm going to jump to Josh for this one. And Josh, when you spend or when you when you spend, when you go out to spend money like this, nine point five million British pounds, really in the first week and a half of of the transfer window, what does that say about the plan for Charlotte FC? Does it say we have ideas or does it say maybe a little bit of, ooh, there's the new shiny toy. Screw it. Sign him. (laughs) Um, I think it I think it's definitely a sign that they have ideas and that there is a plan. I say that because of the fee attached. If this was a link for a guy for, I don't know, two to three million dollars, sort of that Petkovic Enzo range. Maybe I look at it like, eh, is this really a guy they're interested in? As you alluded to, though, nine point five million dollars. You're talking about, I think, if you added up the fees of. Swiderski, Enzo, and Petkovic, you're getting to around that number, right? So this is 
this is a um, fee that this team has never come close to approaching as far as I, I can tell. And so I think it must be a player that they're truly interested in and truly believe in. And as a fan, whether it ends up happening or not, I think that should excite you because it shows that this club is willing to spend money when and if the, there is the right player available. Yeah, the right player makes all the difference. I mean, it's one of those things that you look at some of the biggest transfers in the world, nobody talks about how much Erling Holland cost. Right, Erling, ha- Erling Holland puts the ball into the back of the net every time he touches the football. Nobody cares how much he cost Manchester City. So the right player is worth the money. And what makes them the right player is how their profile fits into Charlotte FC. So you and I'm going to jump to you and I'm going to say, what profile does Albert Grombeck strike to you as a player? Uh, I, th- I think the the place to start with this is by comparing him with Karol Svodersky, because that is the equivalence that's been made by a lot of people, not just in the fact that people have seen the fee and thought this is probably going to happen under the pretense that Karol Svodersky is going to leave and this is his younger, uh, similar position replacement. So how... You know, how, how does he fit into the role that Karl Svodersky's done? And I think about that from the perspective of him as a 10, because that's mainly Gronberg's um, position, a 10-8 hybrid uh, as a midfielder. And we were talking about this earlier. I think even though Karl Svodersky is a, is a player who was a striker who kind of has adjusted to that role, it's actually Gronberg who wants to play higher up the field than Karl Svodersky. Karl Svodersky is someone who wants to chip in with taking the ball off the toes of centre-backs and deep midfielders and almost drop in and get it off the full-backs. He wants to go out wide and, and come to relate with the uh, with the wingers. He's all, He always wants to be near the ball in build-up when you're trying to break down those low blocks, mid-blocks that, uh, that we talk about. He, he wants to be on the ball at all times, creating. Grunbeck is a little bit different. Not that he's not creative, but that he would rather stay away from the ball, let build-up happen, let those triangles happen out wide, let you know, let let play develop, and then he's in the areas not to take on a man and play a killer through ball, but to get the ball in a tight area, use a little bit of scanning, understand the space around him, and play a really not nice, neat pass into a five-yard area. Someone who wants to be in a high area to receive so that he's not taking on players, but because he's so smart, because he is always taking pictures of the uh, of the game around him. He is able to make smart decisions and do things that look simple, but you just don't see a lot of players replicate them. And and, and from watching his games, and I watched his games a, a while ago, just because their their head coach is is you know he's a bit of a darling of the of the football community and everything like that. And then rewatching it again recently uh, because of the interest, his direct profile in this team is is almost I think he's probably Ben Bender. I think people wow. will, will think he's he's Svidersky, but and I'm low on Ben Bender. I think he's like good version of Ben Bender. I think he does all the things that Ben Bender wants to do. He gets into the areas that Ben Bender wants to, like smart at finding an area of space here, smart at a little pass here. I think if you're looking for a Charlotte FC player that he is most similar to, I think you're looking at if he's a hundred percent of Albert Grombeck, Ben Bender is probably like sixty percent of that. That's probably the comparison I would make in terms of purely style. Logan you, is fuming right now at I, home listeners. 
I, I didn't know you came out here to start a fight. Like you could have, <laughs> you could have at least warned me that you were going to bring boxing gloves. Uh, okay. <laughs> square up you and square up. Um, is this, is this to do with me not taking a shot at Ben Bender, but almost being a little bit down on him. I'm assuming that's where we are here. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> um, how, how dare you do that to my boy? Look at what, look at what they've done to my boy. Um, I'm going to get in so much trouble just for that horrible accent alone. Anyway, <laughs> so I think we're all going to get a chance to talk about what we see in Albert Grombeck and you know why he could potentially moot that 9.5 million fee. For you, Ewan, if you had to sum it down to one reason, this guy is worth Charlotte FC potentially, I mean, not just reaching into the wallet, but taking out a loan. Eh, let's be honest, it's David Tepper. He has more money than anybody knows what to do with. <laughs> Why is this guy worth $9.5 What's your one you know, thought towards that? In a sense, since why it's worth that money, he's smart enough in the final third with the ball to repay with goal contributions, and he's smart and athletic enough out of possession to not be a burden. A tough thread, a, a tough needle to thread. When it comes to young players, they usually lean one more side. They usually lean more the other side. He can, he he can do both to a pretty high level, and still with room to grow, still with room to grow. That would be my pitch. All right, Josh, I'm going to jump over to you. How, how does this guy profile? Yeah, I, so I mean, unlike you, and I can't say that I've seen very much of uh, Bodo Glimp. Uh, the only reason I'm familiar with them is because they played Arsenal in Europe, what, last year, the year before, something like that. Um, so I probably unknowingly uh, saw maybe a little bit of uh, Grom back there. I will just say from looking at his scouting report on FB Ref, because I, I do like looking at the numbers, this is a guy who is a, he's a goal scoring midfielder is how I look at it when I just look at the numbers. The passing numbers are not going to wow you when he's being compared to the what FB ref calls the next 14 competitions. So these are leagues like MLS, the Mexican League, uh, the um, Portuguese League. He rates very lowly with his passing, except for when it comes to assists and passes into the final third. As Ewan was alluding to, this guy pops up in and around the box and he scores goals and he gets assists there. And so when I look at why Charlotte might be targeting him, I agree with Ewan. This is a if he's not a one to one replacement as far as Carol's skill set, I think he's a one to one replacement when it comes to the goal contributions that Carol has given this team, because we can't overlook the fact I think Carol had. 10 goals, four assists this past season. That's 14 goals and assists that you have to replace. Right now, we have no one in this squad who can adequately do that. And so when I look at Gronbeck, I look at a guy who can clearly or clearly has the potential to come into this league and get you 12 to 14 goals and assists in some measure. I think he's probably a little bit better when it comes to assists than Carroll was simply because he is a midfielder playing in that role as whereas Carroll was a striker dropping into the midfield. Um, for me, he's a really exciting guy from a numbers perspective because of the goal scoring. I, I would be ecstatic if we get him. I, I'm a little concerned about whether we will or not. But again, just a cursory look. He's someone who, if there is a shot, I understand why they're taking it. 
So sum up, sum it up for me. Is he worth nine point five million? And if so, why? Yes, because at the very least, his profile suggests to me an MLS starter. At the best, you're looking at a guy who, in a few years, you could make that money back and more. Yeah, I think that's really a good a good starting place for his value. Is not just his value on the field, but his value off the field. I think that he. You know, we talk about profiles. I think that he's one of the first players at Charlotte FC I would look at and go, this guy is on the up from a world stage perspective. If you look at how he's done at Bodo Glimt, if you look at other teams that are talking about this guy, this isn't a, a hot young talent from USA somewhere who did pretty well in college soccer, right? This is a killer. This is a guy who on the world stage is on the up. He's 22 years old. He fits the profile of someone and for a team that that says we're going to get it. We're we're going to find the next best thing and he's either going to make us great or he's going to make us a lot of money so we can then go be great with other players. I why do not think both? <laughs> yeah, por uh, por dos. Um why not both? I would love to see that from obviously I'd love I want all of our players to both be fantastic and then we sell them for hundreds of millions of pounds. That would be amazing. I think this is kind of a, a declaration of intent signing. Obviously, he's not signed for Charlotte FC. We'll get to more about why that may not happen later. But this feels like the guy who you go out and sign and you point to him and you tell the world Charlotte FC is not here to screw around anymore. We have a new coach in Dean Smith. We have somebody with a recognizable name, with a recognizable style. We're going to put respect on his name. We're going to put respect on Charlotte FC's name. And we're going to go get one of the best young players in the world to destroy this league. And if you want to be on that boat, come on. I really think there's an element of an early signing that's that could be big like this that is there to say the HMS Charlotte FC is the boat to be on. Get on the boat before it leaves dock. For the rest of the players who come in in this window, you know why you're here. You know what we're doing. We're not screwing around. I do like the player profile from the fact that he does a lot of the little stuff well. Ewan talked about earlier off off camera that he he opens himself up, he shows himself to the people passing. He doesn't hide behind defenders. Uh, he clearly understands pressing triggers and is willing to press, which in a Dean Smith system I think is going to be very important. He has an absolute cannon of a right foot. If you look at some of his goal highlights, he can score from basically anywhere with his right foot, and I think that outside-of-the-box threat is good. I think it's it's very useful to have. He does a lot of the little stuff that you don't necessarily expect of a a 22-year-old. He does that stuff well. And I think that opens him up to then going on and expressing himself as a player and being a killer in the MLS. And uh, that's kind of my, my wrap-up for him is I think he does a lot of the little technical stuff really well. And he has that explosive factor. And as a result, I do think he's probably worth $9.5 I'm not the one who has to pay that. Uh, you and Josh, any thoughts on, on what I've said there? 
Yeah, I'm just thinking from, again, talking about the profile of a player, everything like that. This is someone who I do think could, and you talk about, is he worth 9.5 million? I, I, I gave like the pitch there as to, if you think he's worth it, this is why you would say it. There is an element there of him being someone who, if he's going to play in the positions that he projects to play in, because he's not a great ball carrier, I don't think, because he's not a willing shower for the ball in deeper areas, like some players who play his role would be. This is someone who I do think fans could find themselves frustrated with. If we do sign him, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a situation where you get a few games in and maybe the team's not doing as well as people thought they were going to do and the stats aren't there. There could be a case of, uh, I mean, what's this guy's deal? He's, you know, he's come for all this money and he's not taking games by the scruff of the neck. Because if you're expecting a, you know, a guy who's going to take over games, that's not what you're going to get. He doesn't want to be that involved. But if he's someone who is playing for a team that's well coached and has a good build-up structure and recruits its midfield in deeper areas, you'll get the best out of him. So is he worth 9.5 million? Is he going to reach his potential in Charlotte? That question almost depends as much on the building around him if he were to sign or a player like him were to sign if we are going to continue looking for players of similar profiles. It's as dependent on the situation around them as it is the player themselves. So if we get to a situation where we have someone like him and it's not quite working, the stats aren't there, fans aren't seeing them as active in games as they would like, it could well be their fault and they could be underperforming, not to their standard. Or... It could be more, or I would project that it's probably more likely that things around them aren't working, and there's there's a few holes in that overall machine. So well, that's all I would say on the player. Just don't expect someone to come in who's going to be taking over games completely. Ewan, I think one thing we can all agree on is that Charlotte FC is incredibly well coached, has fantastic progression of the ball up, up the field, <laughs> and is just flooded with other players that are really, really good at, at supporting <laughs> top-end attackers. Let's hope so. Uh, yeah. Um, we got we got Tiger Smalls, baby. We're in. Uh, Josh, final thoughts on this before we talk about how maybe he fits into the team itself? I would just say that his profile, more so than he himself, is is something that I'm excited for. And what I mean by that is I'm going to be the resident pessimist, and I don't think that a deal for... Grombeck is actually going to materialize, unfortunately. But he gives me hope that we're looking at that kind of player, young, high upside, willing to pay more than we have in the past. Um, and if he is a sign of the players that we're actively pursuing, that is a good thing, even if we don't end up with with him. Yeah. I like this him. Is, Let's this is, this is, I was going to say, this is classic crown cast optimism. I've just said why things might not go well if he signs. And Josh has said why he might not sign at all. <laughs> um, and I'm going to say he's the best footballer on planet Earth. Um, <laughs> don't go to Mars. Unfortunately, he's only ranked number 42 for footballers on Mars. Uh, but we, we do what we can here at Charlotte FC. Anyway. Let's talk about if he were to come, what role he would be playing in the team. And I'm going to jump on this one because I think I have the least uh, regular, maybe is the wrong word to say, but I think I have the weirdest view of where he would likely be playing in the team. And I actually think he's going to be sitting deeper than probably the two of you do. I think he'd be taking over the Brant Bronico role, or he would be a very stiff competition for Brant Bronico. 
everything I saw when I scouted him and you guys got to watch some of the video with me, looks like a guy who wants to run in late. Looks like a guy who wants to arrive in the box behind the play. Not behind the play is the wrong way to say it. Who wants to arrive in that second wave of attack. Who's really good at understanding space. And if he is ahead of the attack, he wants to move up to the front of the attack, not already be stationary up there. We've seen him take a lot of really impressive shots outside of the box, top of the box, stuff from the edge of the box, that right foot curler that we, we now know he has in his arsenal. I don't necessarily see him as that Carroll role just because I don't know that I see him dropping far enough back out of the top in order to play the ball he wants to play. I also think something that might be underrated in his game was we saw a couple of his long cross-field balls, uh, things that went from way deep in play to runners coming out on the left side of the pitch, wingers uh, high up, that looked really good. Now, we, didn't, we haven't watched hours and hours and hours on this guy. We've just got a small sample size. So for all I know, he's hit a million of those, and three of them looked really, 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 really good, right? But I do know that when you go out and you look at his scouting video, there are multiple examples of him being shallow in the field and being able to hit that guy who is trying to spring the attack on a counter. So I like him as sort of the Brant Bronico, able to, to connect passes through the middle a little bit, willing to try the dagger ball. I think that's important, even if it doesn't necessarily come off. Uh, I also think he might be trying to look to spray the ball out wide. Josh, uh, I know that you you view him a little bit higher up in the pitch. What are you thinking? Yeah, so basing, looking at his heat maps from this past year, he he prefers the left side of the pitch a little bit more, which matches well with where Westwood prefers the right side. I do see him if we're if we're talking about a midfield three, I would see him as the furthest forward of that midfield three with Westwood sort of the middle of that and then a six to be named later sitting deeper. The problem, of course, is there's a lot of projection going on there. I don't know who that six is. In a perfect world, it would be a new signing. (laughs) I was going to say it's okay. You could call it Nikola Pekovic, but. It you know what I and that to be honest with you I keep forgetting about Nikola Pekovic and if it is him I would actually be really excited about that because I think I would love to see a young talented guy get a run of games at that position as opposed to getting a veteran who maybe is a more of a, a journeyman. So let me let me jump back to you in just a second because you and I might be going off the deep end just a little bit. <laughs> And Ewan is really good at bringing us back down to earth. Ewan, if Charlotte FC turned around and started a midfield three where Nikola Petkovic was the six, Ashley Westwood was a little higher up, sort of the middle player on the right, and Albert Grombeck was higher on the left, are, are we in magical Christmas land? Is that just stupid? Have we lost all balance in a midfield? <laughs> No, it, everywhere, everyone profiles nicely as to where they would be. I think everywhere, everyone slots nicely. Like, I think Pek, I don't think there's much debate about what position Pekovic would be best in. I think it is that six. 
Um, Ashley Westwood, that is a bit more debatable. I know people like him as a six more than I do. I'd rather have him playing further up where you have him there. So that, you know, that that works for me. And then obviously growing back in that, you know, eight ten role, being a little bit further forward, playing on the uh, playing on the offside of where the ball would be, that works as well. I think the only question that you would have about that is just um, is is more from an experience perspective, and and that's that's an obvious question. That's just Petkovic coming in off the deep end and playing as a lone six, but that's hey. that's that's more that that's like a that's a question away for that you can football analyze in a football way. Really, it, it's just kind of like, do you trust him or not? And that's a question for a coach who works with him every day rather than me, who has just kind of watched him play the games. Josh, we have the UN stamp of approval. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I see him in that role where you're really asking him to stay a little bit higher up the, the pitch. And as you said, I do agree with you that he looks to be a player who wants to to make those secondary runs into the box. Um hit again i'm basing this off of the numbers and and the heat maps that i'm seeing the little bit of clips his runs and his positioning in the box almost remind me a little bit and i'm gonna i we always do this but it's what i know going back to sort of an aaron ramsey type thing where he's making those runs and those taking up those positions probably a little bit more offensive minded than ramsey was he is he is someone who I think would balance Westwood. And as Ewan said, I don't, I also don't see Westwood as a six. I think he's much better. And I think he's a little bit wasted in that, in that deeper role. I want Westwood to be on the ball a little bit more and to be pushing forward and making better passes or making more passes than, than he would in a six. So listen, I would be over the moon if, if our starting lineup included a midfield of Petkovic, Grombeck, and Westwood. I think that would be the most exciting midfield by far that we, that this club has ever fielded. It would definitely be high ceiling, low floor. I, again, exciting. I didn't say the best, just exciting. <laughs> we, we would either win games by six goals or lose games by six goals, which, to be fair, is kind of already Charlotte FC's motto, so... On, on with what we're already doing, I guess. Uh, Ewan, why do you see Albert Grombeck as a left back? <laughs> well, because we can obviously invert him and then uh, and then we can get him high up the field, obviously, of course, of course. Um, Christian, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's going to be the funny thing, though, as well, because I was almost thinking about it there when you mentioned, you know, that theoretical midfield i was almost on it, it, it as soon as you mentioned it i was on like charlotte fc autopilot and i was like well petkovic is a six it's not ideal a young player having to deal with that but rest defense wise fullback will be coming in and uh, that will help that out when that could happen but most likely based on what dean smith has done so far in his career probably not going to happen so we almost need to be rewiring ourselves as how we're thinking of some of these midfield players. This is getting away from Gronbeck a little bit, but this is, you know, how you have to think about Westwood and Bronico and Petkovic. The midfield is going to have this complete rewiring now, and that's going to be massive for those players. But also, for a number 10, or whichever player it is that we signed that profile similar to Gronbeck, because now we know this is a position of interest that we're willing to put money into, it'll be interesting with regards to that as well, because... There'll be more space for them. There'll be more passes that are available in terms of entry because everything will have been shallowed down a little bit. If we play with conventional fullbacks, 
And then from there, the conventional fullbacks, there'll be more players to relate, more spacing, everything like that. So almost just as a PSA to Charlotte, we're almost rewiring the way we're thinking about a lot of our players, aren't we? Now that we're, uh, now that we've got Dean Smith and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a non, especially for someone like me who loves the out of possession stuff. It's a non-insignificant, it's, it's a non-insignificant, non-insignificant change that this has happened. So uh, I think we can all probably agree that if you look across the board at Albert Krombeck, he's a pretty good player. He's He is pretty good at the football, and that is what I want out of my footballers. One of the things that has come out, we have seen some translated reports that say Charlotte FC is incredibly interested in Albert Grombeck. Obviously, we started with a 7.5 million bid and eventually upped it to a 9.5 million bid. It doesn't look like Albert is particularly interested in Charlotte FC. There have been some things that have come out and said he doesn't necessarily see the MLS as the place where he thinks he is going to make the most of his career. That perhaps there are some higher higher up leagues in the world, some other options that he might be able to go to and explode onto the scene a little faster. Uh, Josh, I'll start with you on this one. When you see something like this from a player, how does it how does it usually wind up? How does it make you feel? For me, it would be a if he doesn't want to come, I, I think that's understandable. He's a guy who already has some limelight at the in European competition in uh, Europa, I believe he he's played very well. For me, as a as an outsider looking in and saying, okay, here's a 22, 23 year old who has a ton of talent, kind of tearing up the league he's in. I understand why he might view because there is still a little bit of stink on MLS. Why he might view this not as a good career path in general for me, and that's why where a little bit of my pessimism comes from. I think we're six months, a year too late on this guy, right? I think maybe over the summer, last summer, if we had been in on him, maybe last January, you have a little bit of better of an opportunity. But this feels like to me a guy who is known and is talented and whether the interest from the likes of Galatasaray or Napoli or Leicester are real or not, I think there probably is interest from European leagues outside of where he's playing. And I can understand why he would want to risk it on those leagues rather than the MLS. I think that's well within his right. I also think then it's well within Charlotte's right. And I think the smart thing to do is say, good on you. Thank you for being honest. We're going to look elsewhere because what I don't want is a player who's not motivated to be here. You can use Charlotte as a launching pad for bigger and better things. You can come here and want to play out of your mind so that you get a big move to somewhere else. But you want to I want you to want to come here and view that as that opportunity. And if you don't, then good luck to you. I hope it works out. And let's go find someone who who is excited to be here. Ewan, what are you thinking about this one? Yeah, the the general conversation around this kind of thing, Josh kind of hit on it there in that it's it's all about the timing of things like this. Like, there's a reason why, to use Portuguese league for example, Benfica can sign players for 10 million, who suddenly a year later are sold for 60, 70 million. And it's about the timing of when you get these players. You kind of you you're doing your risk assessment, you're doing your scouting, you're doing your deep dives, and you're getting them before they pop in a major way, but knowing that they project to players who who could have this high ceiling. 
it's almost like, and not that that's the kind of money we're talking about with Gronbeck, but he's on that trajectory as to where a year ago it probably would have been a smaller fee. And to, to bring up someone who we've spoken about already a little bit on this pod, that's kind of what we did with Petkovic. Petkovic was on a really steep trajectory of kind of working his way through a national team of like, he suddenly is at this age group, then this age group, then this age group. Suddenly with his club side, he's you know playing in the youth academy and now he's getting an opportunity at a really young age and now he's starting at a young age and now he's you know, like a bona fide starter at a young age. If he'd have been there for another you know two years, suddenly he becomes a player that's out of Charlotte's price range and also out of the player's desire in a way. They're thinking, you know, as soon as those other names crop up, they're thinking, oh, I don't know if America's for me. I don't know if MLS is for me. I'm probably not going to make this move. But we got in there early probably paid a little bit over the odds, but got in there early, showed some faith in the player, and that's how we got him. With Gronbeck, you can understand why from his perspective, he's thinking now with other clubs in the in, that have been rumoured for him, why he's thinking, I'll either go to one of those clubs or I'll stay where I'm at, where I'm being successful, and one of those clubs eventually will come in, rather than making not what is just a, you know, like an unconventional decision of a player like him going to MLS. But you also factor in the human and it's quite a big life decision. It's a lot more hours away from where he would be coming to America than even if he did come to England or wherever it may be in Europe. So yeah, but when it when it comes to that, you we almost you almost wonder do we need to be quicker with these young players? And not as an overall criticism for this, because you know, fair enough, we put in our bid, it's substantial, it's it's worthy of discussion. But do we almost need to get a bit more realistic about our prospects? And if you're chasing a player like this, you know, it's fun, it's a big fee, it's ambitious. Are we about to waste a lot of time trying to sign him that could be dedicated to more realistic options? That's probably the question. Yeah, I'll weigh in here, and I'm probably going to be the outlier in that I think even if he doesn't really want to come to the MLS, I think if he's willing to sign the paperwork, you could take him. The reason for that is I think most players of this caliber are going to be professionals. They are going to come in and they are going to do a job because their career's on the line. So I don't think no matter what you do, I mean, if you look at this guy a year ago, I'm using transfer marked here. So these aren't, perfect numbers by any means but if you look at this guy a year ago he was worth like 2.3 million if you look at him now he's worth like five or six times that right so well four or five times that math is hard when you take a player like this who has exploded has exploded is a, is a strong term here when you take a player like this who has already seen a, a significant upward trajectory in his career they're playing to to go to the high leagues, right? They're playing to be a Premier League player. They're playing to to play at PSG or at Real Madrid. Or Now, a lot of them aren't going to make it. One of the disturbing realities of football is most of the people we think are really special will never make it to the best teams in the world. It's just the way it is. If you take 10,000 of the hottest prospects of football players, like three of them make it to the top teams. That's just the way football works. But this guy's objective is not going to be, unless he's just making oodles and oodles of money. Oodles is one of my favorite words, by the way. Unless he's just making insane amounts of money, his objective is not going to be, I want to play in the MLS. So really, 
whether he's happy to come to the MLS or not, for me, I don't think it really matters. If you can tell this guy, come in here, do a job, be the best player in the league for two years, help Charlotte FC be the boat to be on, and then go on your merry way. You know, we will get a good fee for you. You'll have dominated a league for two years and all your stats will look super pretty. And maybe you won't hold Charlotte FC's badge super close to your heart. As a fan, there's an element of that that makes me shrug my shoulders and go, that's not great. <laughs> but as a as a decision for the club and the future of the club, I can understand how that that helps catapult us to a higher level. So the Very fan, fair. yeah, the fan and me and the analysts are at war and I really don't know who's going to win. Uh, that's, we'll sort of wrap it up on Albert Grombeck for now there. Obviously he hasn't uh, accepted Charlotte FC are still courting him. I think if anything like this was going to happen when we've just signed a new head coach, and we can look at this guy and say he's the core of our team for a while is the time. But I'm going to go to Josh because, Josh, I have a question for you. And that is, can you make someone the core of your team in MLS? Like, we have, we've talked about it off mic a little bit. Either this guy is a killer and he comes in and he dominates the league and in two years we sell him. Mm -hmm. Or he comes in and... He's probably not that great, and he's not happy with his time here, and he wants to go somewhere else to revive his career, and in two years, we sell him. So, so when it comes to these big names, big signings, Carol Schroderskis, et cetera, they don't tend to stick around in the MLS. Is this a league you can build around your players? If it's a young player, no. This is, this is not a league, I think, where you can take a... Kaya Saka, a uh, Vicinius Jr., a um, Phil Foden, or, you know, any of the other big European young guys and say, for the next 10 years, this is their team and we are going to build around them. The players that you can, and this is going to sound a little bit harsh, but I think the players that you can are more of the failed hot prospects. I look at a guy like um, Lucho Acosta for Cincinnati. He's a guy who you can build your team around. But you're building that team around Lucho Acosta when he is 28, 29, right? Uh, Jordi Mihailovic, we talked about him last week. He, for me now, is kind of a guy who maybe you can build a team around. He's tried to go to Europe. It did not work out. He's now back in the MLS. You know what his level in MLS is. He's now 26, and I think you can look at him and say, you know what? Chances are he's probably not going back abroad to Europe. We can try to make him the centerpiece of our team. And so I think if you want to build around someone, it almost has to be that. Lucho Acosta, I will say as an aside, might also be a little bit of an outlier because I think his physical literal limitations, he's only 5'3", are really what holds him back from from being from abroad rather than anything else. But he's the type of player that I'm talking about. When you're talking about young guys, though, MLS, I think, is doing the right thing and becoming a little bit of a developmental league, especially for South America. I think that's how you make this league really attractive. As you say, you come here and we are a springboard into Europe. And in that sense, no, I, I think if you look, we get Gronbeck. I don't think 
any fan should look at this and say he's going to be here for the next 10 years. I think best case scenario is he is here for two years. He lights this league up. He brings us to the playoffs, deep into the playoffs, and then we sell him for double, triple. You look at a guy like Tiago Almada for Atlanta, who's kind of a similar path, who is rumored at 30, 40 million. That's what Atlanta's looking at for him. You're building a team around those guys in the short term, but long term, there's just no way that they're staying long enough for you to to look a decade out. Yeah, you and you look at the MLS. Obviously, being English yourself, your 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 native league is one that regularly gets to build around the best players in the world. How does the MLS compare? How do you see building a team in this in this space? Yeah, it's funny the. Um... You mentioned there, like the Premier League, like it, it, you can rely, well, the top teams at least can rely on their best players hanging around. So you can build with more reliability for the future and maybe recruit with that in mind. But because of the standard that you're at, you're always kind of merging top talents together and you're building this off of that and building this player off of that player. So I do think there's some things there that can be relatable between that, you know, a league like the Premier League and, and a league like MLS. Building it, building a team around a player, philosophically, just the way I think about things, not something that I would do at any level, and especially not at MLS level. I think that you almost, you almost want to reverse it and and you know build build the players around the team, around an overall philosophy that you believe in. You always want to be profiling properly and saying, okay, this is what we need in this area. Let's make sure we have one, and let's make sure we have another that's either an older veteran or a younger player that we rely on doing everything like that. Building around one player almost, it, there's just a lot of built-in risk to it. You build in, you know, if that player gets injured, what do you do? If that player picks up a suspension, what do you do? If that player, you know, wants to leave, what do you do? If that player has a a bad game and everything is built around their success, what do you do? It's 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 an option that teams have, have gone for and there has been, they have had success doing it. But I, I just think that strategy bakes in a lot of risk. Whereas if you go the other way and you have an overall philosophy which has kind of everyone working between each other and and and, and you're out of possession stuff is 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 on its keys and everything like that, I just think that has a more I think that's more high floor. I think that's a more high floor way to build things rather than that that thing you mentioned of okay everything is kind of built around this one player and they are the cog and if you remove that then you know we kind of we kind of don't have anywhere to go from there um which based off the fee i, I don't know I, it, it's hard to it's hard to think in this particular case with Gronbeck, if that money gets paid how much there's left for everything else and yeah. <laughs> that goes back to how much you think needs to be spent on the rest of the team some people well, we're selling like, carol for 40 million so you don't have to worry about that you <laughs> Well, there you go. There you go. Or yeah, or or not at all. And you can kind of merge them together. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't build the team around one player, but if you can build them around two players like that, then uh, then fair enough, you might be onto a winner. And and what I say there, like with the out-possession stuff, we've already talked about the growing back as a smart player in those areas and everything like that. I just think if you if if you're that set around one player and they're and, and everyone's kind of working for them. You, you can just get into some problems. I just think it's low floor. I think it's, I think there's a lot of risk built into that strategy. And I accept that it has worked before. All the cards can come up your way. You can, you know, you can 
you can you can say hit me on seventeen and still win, but I just I I'd rather go about things a different way. I like the blackjack reference there. I mean, I do think the most <laughs> obvious example of this is is the Lionel Messi experiment, right? Uh, yeah. Where we saw a team. I would sign up for that. <laughs> and, and turn and turn the whole team into him plus his buddies, and, yeah. and it worked. Surprise, exactly. surprise. Uh, now, obviously, there's a big difference between the Lionel Messi experiment and yeah. Albert Grombeck. One of them is, if not the greatest, you know, one of the definite conversations for the greatest players of all time. Another one is a 22-year-old guy who's playing pretty well at Bodo Glimt. Like, yeah. very different profile yeah. of player. That's, the, that's, that's basically the question. You've basically summed, you've summed it up perfectly there. It's a high-risk, low-floor strategy. And the reason why you do it, the ultimate question is, the one player that you're building around, how good are they? That 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 kind that's what it falls down on. When they're Lionel Messi, yeah, sign me up for that. Anyone would probably sign up for that at MLS level. When it comes to a guy like Grombeck, a little bit more of a difficult question. Yeah, I do think that for me, it's not so much a build around one gear, as much as I think that in the MLS, if you have three or four outstanding players three or four really really strong gears the what's around them can be can a uh, rising tide lifts all boats situation and i think that charlotte fc might be looking for that potentially if we can really strengthen our spine i don't know if you put a deal Melanda in the category of mls killers but i do think he's really good i think most people would put ashley westwood in the in the land of very, very strong MLS players. I think if Nikola Petkovic came on and was what we hope him to be, and I do think it's probably fair to point out that at this point in time, at least I have built him up to be like the next best six on planet Earth, right? There's like Rodri and Declan Rice and Moises Caicedo and then Nikola Petkovic. And he's definitely not that. Whoa, whoa, Caicedo? He might be better than Caicedo. Did you see what he did? <laughs> okay, he's probably better than Caicedo. But the that's that's not true. We have no evidence to that. Please do not quote me. I I want him to be that explosively high-end player just because I think that he's an interesting player who probably deserves a right to show that he can fail. He's earned the right to fail. As far as the team goes, then, then you're looking at a really strong core and everyone else around them is going to the levels are going to rise. And I don't know whether or not that's I don't know whether or not that's realistic in the MLS or whether Ashley Westwood's going to retire in a year. Or whether Adilson Melanda is going to have a great year and go, you know what, I want to go back to France and gets picked up at a, a good League One team. Um there's so many there's so many variations and deviations of of how an MLS side could go that it's difficult to predict the future and ultimately all, we all just want a team filled with the best players on planet earth that wins every year. Uh Josh, final thoughts on this? My final thought is I really hope that even if the Gromback signing doesn't go through that we continue to see links where we want to spend this much money. I, I hate to say it, but the fact of the matter is the best teams tend to spend the most money. 
And that is just what it is. And it sucks. And you have outliers. You have teams like Philadelphia Union who have great scouting and great philosophies, and they build teams without being at the top of these lists. But when you look around the leagues, in general, the teams that win and the teams that dominate those leagues, they spend money, and that's just the bottom line. And to this point, Charlotte FC has not really spent a ton of money. And so I don't want this to be, we were willing to pay for this one particular player, 9.5 million. And then it'd be the end of January and we've spent 2 million total on a bunch of other players, right? If we're willing for this guy, there have to be other guys that we're willing to as well. And then I want to see more on top of that as well as well because we are not one player away from being competitive in the east and in mls we are multiple and so this has to be the first step to that see you know i might i might push back on you just a little bit with the we're one player away we're we're definitely not one player away from winning things but with a signing like this somebody really strong in the midfield i think we could potentially say we're a pretty strong spine with a lot of dice roll attempts on the wings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we're playing we're playing football, not D&D, right? Like let's leave the dice roll to that and like let's actually get talent on the field. We bought so many wingers. <laughs> we have so many wingers. Okay. Winger goblins, not dice goblins, is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, you heard it here first. Charlotte FC is winger goblins. Uh, if you don't know what that means, ask your parents. Uh, you and you have 30 seconds for any final thoughts before we wrap it up. Um, yeah, I mean, we've gone in depth there on the player. I think I've said everything that I want to say, the, the positives, the potential weaknesses, things that people might have an issue with. I'll just end it on something that we touched on a little bit there with realism. I've seen so many transfer windows for teams derailed by chasing the one player that they fall in love with and all other players fall by the wayside and then suddenly you're at the end with two days left. And not only have you missed out on all those players and missed out on the player that you like, it then becomes a panic buy. I just hope that they figure out, okay, if he's not interested, it really doesn't feel like he's interested, let's move on with our transfer window. Great player. We've talked about it there. Lots to like. If he's not interested, let's move on and move forward because there's plenty of good players in the world of football. A Kim Kalstrom effect. That's my favorite Arsenal reference that either of you have ever made, I think, by the way, on this podcast. Kim Kalstrom effect. <laughs> Get out of here, Ewan. On, on that note, we will go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Charlotte FC hasn't given us a ton of news, and somehow we've still managed to turn it into 50 minutes. Uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing uh, how they spend their $9.5 million in the most interesting way possible for all of our enjoyments. And until that time, I will say thank you, Josh. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Ewan. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And most importantly, thank you to you, dear listener. If you have decided to spend your time with us, we love you. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you again next Wednesday when we will have definitely signed players for Charlotte FC. Goodbye. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Goodbye.